It was 20 years ago today that Sexy Sven taught the boys to play. Welcome to the Football Ramble Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. Subskill law for Jose and Manchester United face Arsenal. It's Friday 30th of October. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Eddie Russell. Twenty years ago, well, tomorrow, if we're going to be precise, when Old Svenigans was announced as England manager. What a fabulous Friday we've got for you on the Football Ramble today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. How are you marking the occasion? Uh, I, I'm not wearing any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you just going to walk around your house uh, in a little tiny towel and turn the whole thing into like a steamy sauna. <laughs> well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, a friend of mine once, you know, you can get um, free saunas while you're waiting at Helsinki Airport. One of my friends really? once almost missed the plane <laughs> because he heard the final call while he was yeah. sitting there in the nip waiting. Wow. For, um, in the nip. No, no, which is departures which is, in, in the sauna. Which is the opposite to how people who have got too much luggage approach getting on the plane. They put yeah. all their clothes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Like ski suits and five jumpers. That's phenomenal. Free yeah, the, uh, the easy jet suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very good, that. They're, they're obsessed with saunas in Finland, aren't they? There's, a famous, there's quite a famous meme that goes around of someone's done a Google map mm-hmm. of every sauna in Finland. And it's basically like every hub in England mm. but times a te- times 10 incredible yeah anyway incredible on, honestly that must look like a lean or messy heat map um, exactly <laughs> hurry up though Marcus. we've got to get through Andy um, listening to a dog eat a carrot uh, <laughs> so. we do indeed goodness yeah. knows what's going to happen next I time, like the idea of Andy doing research for hopefully a regular feature where he has to go around listening to animals eating things yeah <laughs> It's like, it's like trying to research for Luke's game, but m- even more surreal. Oh, dear. Uh, speaking of Finland, I'd like to talk about, uh, very briefly, if I may, before we get to what Mourinho did at half-time, um, a player who, of course, played in fin- Finland uh, for a little while, Alfredo Morelos. Oh, who, did he play in Finland? I didn't know that. He did, yeah. Okay. Colombia to Finland. Wow. What a culture shock. The road less travelled. <laughs> Good knowledge for such a tenuous link there, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. All right, Andy. You yeah. had to point it out. Oh, it's easy from the sidelines, Andy. Gordon isn't Bennett. Uh, well, well, I, the... I get them all right on Luke's game. Every single week. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Well, the, the, the old firm were in, were, were in action. And uh, good news for Scotland. They've got two places uh, in the Champions League preliminaries. Yeah, from the, the, season, the coefficient's been changed. They've it? done yeah. well. They've done very well. Uh, uh, Rangers won again. But Morelos, 21 European goals for Rangers, equaling Wee Ali McCoist's record. Yeah. And impressive, that. Also, what's really more impressive about him, I think, as a player, is mm-hmm. just his mentality. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he celebrated that goal, one of his teammates went to put his arm around him and he threw him off. Yeah, no, <laughs> just not, not interested. Oh, well, Fredo. Yeah. For a man of your talent, yeah. be a bit more likeable. But, but, but the Europa League, um, I mean, you just get so many games in the Europa League to choose from. Yeah. Like, yes. I don't know, it doesn't feel natural to flick down your Sky Sports football app mm. and you get all the way down to like Group Y. There's like, there's, there's this many yeah, groups. It, ma- it makes me watch less games rather than more. Like, I'm quite happy to have a three-screen setup on a Champions League night, for example, Standard. if I'm at home. Yeah. Or on, you know, any Sunday afternoon. But for the Europa League, it's too daunting. You know, it's like if you're at school and you've got an extraordinary amount of homework and you're like, I I actually can't do any of it. Yeah. You know, there is a danger if you don't, if you don't, Put your colours to the mast. You know, you you. I don't know how you max, watch it more than one at once. Maximum of two games for me in on a, on a. How do you specialise? What's your what's your kind of um yeah. your standard? What's well, your technique? Well, tonight I just uh, last night. Sorry, I just really wanted to watch Lille versus Celtic. 
Yes. So, so that's what I watched with a with a bit of Spurs in the background. Well, I tell you what, great first half for Celtic. They threw away the lead. Well, you say they threw it away, but the, well, they were two 0 up and they drew two all. Yeah, but <laughs> that that that, that implies whether, whether they threw it away <laughs> or it was taken from them. Yeah. that implies the result them is knocking off when Lille, uh, you know, haven't lost a game this uh-huh. season. So yeah. I I think. There we go. It's, it's, it's a result that they would have loved before the start. And yeah. I, th- I thought they were very good. Scott Bain in goal saved a pen. He did. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> Come go on. on. <laughs> Don't leave it out there. Oh, you thought you could score a penalty past me. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a way, I never thought this would be possible. It's more camp than Bain. <laughs> You've got like a little bit of a camp, it's a bit of Camp David in there. Well, a little more from Camp Bain tomorrow. Um, yes, indeed. But I, I do very, very briefly. Rangers have played 17 games in all competitions this season, 14 clean sheets. Yeah, so sort of, sort of mm. a record that will get Stephen Gerrard a Liverpool job. I was going to say, mm. Gerrard, not doing too shabby there. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's move on uh, to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, now, uh, Royal Antwerp. Um, It'd be a good win for them. Although Peter Drury, the the, the, the commentator, who I love, we've we've had, great. Him, had him in the studio, a marvelous man. He was very much talking about the, the stars of Tottenham Hotspur turning up yeah. to Royal Antwerp, and of course for a bit before being subbed off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only see them for a short while. I mean, Antwerp have have been unbeaten at home for fourteen months, so they're no mugs at home. Are they not top of their league as well? They've won every game this season. Yeah. Certainly getting on for that. They're, I'm pretty sure they're top of their league. Mm-hmm. But that is, but they, you know, they haven't won every game I've seen them at the top of the league. I just checked. Right, okay, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. You know, when it comes to Belgium, I should have checked beforehand. That's all right. Mental note to myself. We got there. That's in the how end. broadcasting works. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Well, maybe we'll sub you at half time. <laughs> um, but, but yes, they, they, I mean, Mourinho said a couple of days ago, probably with regards to, to Deli Ali, among others, he said it hurts to leave players out. He made nine changes from the previous match. Uh, and then he sort of tried to undo all his work at half time, didn't he? I was I'm absolutely <sighs> stunned that you've not let led this chat with absolute anger that Joe Hart didn't get a gig in goal. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I thought to myself, oh, no, I've, I've had my spend. I'm gonna just. Uh, give it, it could little... have been a miraculous week for Joe Hart. <laughs> you know, Michelle Vaughan finally retires. Yeah. Well, do you know? I made a mis- Joe Hart's in his ear every five well, minutes. Do you know? I actually, I actually made an error about it because I actually think Vaughan left the club in the summer. So yeah. actually, there was no. But, it Hart arrived but at, you'd think that the stage would be set for, for Big Joe Hart and his Adam, Adam's apple to get involved. <laughs> and he doesn't even get a look in. I know. It's, it, it, second a reason, second greatest Adam's apple in football. Behind Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. of course. For, obvious. Sorry, I should have known that. That's yeah. very much Ronaldo's line on it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the one thing I'm interested in about this game is that, and you guys touched on it briefly yesterday, but I don't think you did it justice. And perhaps you weren't able to do it justice because it's been mm-hmm. updated since. Is Big Joe's Instagram feed? Oh yeah. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's a must follow. I mean, it's, by any stretch of the imagination, it's a must follow. Yeah. It's a bit like a Russian play, isn't it? You know him. Yeah. Gazing, what do you mean? Gazing out the window, I you could say a bit Russian, wistful. A Russian doll. You, <laughs> what, you, you follow that play? account, and then there's like a little a horse, a little <laughs> Jose sort of thing. But there's there's a, there's a picture of him that came out after the game um, <laughs> last night. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's got a um, he's got a um, you know, heavily curated comment, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Bad performances deserve bad results. Hope everyone on this bus, or I hope everyone in this bus, is as upset as I am tomorrow training at eleven a.m. But the picture that they've got of him. It, it must have taken them um, mm. such a long time to get yeah. the right look. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got his mask on. He's gazing with the thousand yards mm-hmm. staring into the distance. Mm-hmm. And he's on his own with a bag next to him, like a briefcase bag. Yeah. Yes. And, he, and he very much looks like he's defending himself in the Hague. 
Because <laughs> he's got his glasses around his neck on the string. <laughs> and, and so and, and it's, it's got a load of I mean, the popcorn thing's great it's also got a, he's done a picture of himself reading Christo Stoichkoff's autobiography there's everything nice. in there yeah. but, but I mean nothing surprising with Mourinho but that he's actually got someone to take that photo of him oh it's, I'd love to be there it's, for it's, that it's, it's, yeah. it's a leap isn't it but I, I would just you know you must be so tempted just once especially with a photo like that and the indignation mm. in the caption as well you just think you know, it would cost you your job, but as his digital services manager, yeah. I think you'd be quite tempted to put the little digital sunglasses on <laughs> yeah. him, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you know that happened recently in a a, a press conference. Obviously, all, all the press conferences are being shown online at the moment, mainly for journalists, but uh-huh. some smaller clubs are doing it with their fans. I guess some of them, some people are scared of being too close to Steven Gerrard. Generally, <laughs> yes, of course. That's right. But um, in... Uh, 1860 Munich did a pre-match press conference and their head coach, someone had put a pair of digital sunglasses on him. <laughs> uh, and um, any, anyway, they shut down the feed early and said there'd been a, a technical malfunction oh. and apologised to fans for it. <laughs> oh dear, it's dear. like the woman who uh, zoomed herself into a potato and worked with it and couldn't turn it off again. <laughs> Great stuff. Take your, in, these, in these pandemic times, take your laughs where you can. It's very, very... But Mourinho was, was um, understandably annoyed mm-hmm. Um he he kind of made a couple of points which in, in a way i wonder if this suits mourinho to an extent because there are players that he as there always is with mourinho players mm-hmm. doesn't fancy players he's not going to really use that much and um, players he's going to piss off yeah it? i think so and and realistically they're going to they're going to qualify from their europa league group i think we can all agree on that they're going they're, they're almost certainly going to be fine so as a as a result in isolation it's a poor result because you'd expect them to have the players to beat Royal Antwerp but in the grand scheme of things it's probably not going to be anything more than a footnote in what mm-hmm. will be I expect at least a reasonably successful Euro- European campaign or a reasonably successful season but if he can bring players and he doesn't fancy and say look I've given mm. you a chance and you've let me down which gives him a lot more latitude to do what he wants to do it but that's that, that, that's very much a sort of strict application of one version of the truth, isn't it? Because the fact is, if you change nine players in a team yeah. and then change another four at half time, yeah. what, what are the players meant to do with that? Well, I, I, I yeah, I'm uh, losing one nil away to a side who've got a very good home record. You know, these results can happen in, yeah. in, in European competition. I'm not, I'm not, if I was a Spurs fan, I wouldn't be that fussed by that. It's actually what Mourinho did at half time, bringing off uh, four players, of course. And, and he, I mean, he said, I would have liked to have made 11 changes at half time. Um, I didn't make five because I was afraid of a long 45 minutes without any changes to make. And then he goes on to say, You know what our best team is. You know the same thing that I know, that everybody knows. But I always like to think that the players deserve an opportunity. We have a big squad with lots of good players. My future choices are going to be very easy. Now, what does that do for team morale? At the start of this week, they'd beaten Burnley away in a tough game. They'd got the three points and suddenly off the back of you know the likes of Carragher and Neville and other people saying can Mourinho is he turning it around and so on you watch the Spurs documentary it finishes with Mourinho saying this is an unhappy club ever since that Champions League final defeat they've they've needed to sort of pick themselves up he's trying to build it Um, he's trying to get things going and then something like this happens and I don't want to kind of blow it out of proportion but we start the week with Mourinho could do something this season and then suddenly it's like Hang on a minute. Is he in danger of losing the dressing room and pissing everybody off? I don't. I don't think that is the case. I, I think that's too far at this point. Okay. And I think the result they had against Burnley, as I said on Monday, was incredible. A really, really big result for them. They've made a lot of changes. Andy's alluded to. It's a setback. Uh, as I said, in isolation, it's not ideal because you don't want to lose games, particularly against 
Uh, however good Roy and Antwerp are at home, the Spurs are a better team than them. I think we can all agree on that. Mm. Um, and I guess we'll see what comes out of the of the game at home to Brighton this weekend, which again, you'd expect them to win. Um, yeah, I'd also like to give a shout out to Richie Delat, who played yep. well for Roy Antwerp and is a Premier League winner. Oh, yes. we forget. Yes. Probably the most unheralded Premier League winner <laughs> of all time. Uh, Maybe excusing perhaps David May. No, May played his part. He was very heralded by himself as well. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying about it, but they played the part. I'm not. I'm just saying if you were on Pointless uh-huh. and they said Premier League winning players. Yeah. It might well be a pointless answer. I think, May, but May did score a goal for against Middlesbrough when Manchester United needed to win and or, or equal or better Newcastle's. Result. I'm sure. I'm sure Richie did make a contribution. That I just can't remember as well. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But anyway, but what you said there about uh, you know what are the players meant to do with that? This kind of thing. I'm not okay. As I said, I don't want to kind of blow it out of proportion and say suddenly he's lost a dressing room mm. on the back of this. But something like that. If you're a player, you're going to be really pissed off and. When he says, you know my best team, oh, but we've got lots of good players, you will feel very unloved, unwanted if you're one of those subs who was, who was one of those players who was subbed off at half time. And of course, if you're Deli Alley, you're just going to think, well, what? But that's how he rolls, isn't it? I mean, Mourinho does this sort of thing where, as mm-hmm. you say, if any other coach said it, you'd say he's in serious danger of losing the dressing room. Like half a dozen times a season? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe more? That is what you sign up for when you. Sign Mourinho. Yeah, and you, but, you also have to remember some of the one of the subs particularly, um, they're not match fit, and possibly two of the players. Is Vinicius mm. match fit, would you say? No, not quite. Probably not, and Bale isn't. No. So two of them you could argue are just just a just a case of building up match fitness. What about on uh, Gareth Bale? Because he brought him off in the second half. Bale's radar's a little bit off, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. But Mourinho said uh, I, with regards to Bale, I think he is very pleased with the level of organisation we have in the club. Probably he is not used to it. <laughs> That's probably because Real Madrid never went in. That's <laughs> why. Little, little dig at uh, his former club there. We, yeah, we, we know he's partial. It's hard on Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard enough, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think the Dele Alli situation is that sort of, with regards to that specific player, it's it's it could really kind of spiral out of control to the point of Dele Alli. We we hardly see him again. Mourinho is trying to almost sort of bully him into to getting back into the first team. Well, not bully him, but, you know, really kind of strong army back in there. But isn't the nature of top-level football now and also the composition of Spurs qu- squad sort of pitted against players who are out of form finding form mm-hmm. and I, I think you look at Ali you look at Bale actually what Bale looks like to me is someone who could do with eight games in a row mm-hmm. he's not going to get it no yeah I know what you mean you know but if you think of other good players who've, who've come off dif- difficult spells who've come to the Premier League it's very very hard to find that that time that space that patience to get yourself up to your former level Radamel Falcao very good example mm-hmm. I think yeah and yeah. also on, on the the Deli Alley thing, <clears throat> perhaps is a bit simplistic, but but hopefully not too simplistic to say that just doesn't necessarily feel like a Mourinho type player. Mm-hmm. He's not someone who works his nuts off off the ball. He's not a big, strong, powerful midfield player. Um, needs freedom. Yeah, needs yeah. license. He, yeah, exactly. And he can't. He gave the ball away a lot last night as well. But then Mourinho did get and, a bit of a tune out of Özil at Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, for sixty five minutes every week. Yeah. He got hooked every game. Yeah, but still. And I, I would tell, what an hour, though. Tell, I think it also depends on the makeup of the team around him. Okay. And I, I would also argue that, I'm probably going to get in a bit of trouble for saying this, you've, you've driven me to this, but in terms of talent and ceiling, yeah. Ozil's a better player than Ali. Okay. 
And it's one more. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the second point, nobody can certainly argue. No, exactly. Um, Maybe I'll use that as a get out of jail. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> on the old social media yeah, later. Yeah. But with Delia, I mean, that's a situation that we would just have to see how it sort of unfolds, I suppose. There's always going to be casualties. Managers always, I think footballers understand that as part of the game, when a new coach comes in, yes, mm-hmm. it can be a really positive thing for, for players, but it can also be a negative thing because if, it, if, a, if a manager wants to play in a certain way or has an idea about a certain player... Mm-hmm you might have to find that you have to go somewhere else. And he's not going to be the first player to have that if he does go through it. He needs to speak to Ika Casillas, I feel. A little chat to him, maybe. Perk him up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Happens to the best of us, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at all the stuff I want. Uh, but yes, they are playing Brighton on, on Sunday night. Uh, and you'd expect Spurs to win that one, but you never know in this topsy-turvy season. Uh, another game this weekend, which um, has piqued my interest, is Villa versus Southampton. Normally, I... Perhaps it wouldn't be a fixture that, to, to pick out. But I don't know, Southampton are going well. And of course, um, Aston Villa, you know, they, they hammered Liverpool, that seems, a little while ago now. But Andy, this is, a, this is an interesting game. Um, after, uh, you know, Ollie Watkins scoring and, uh, and whatnot, you've, you've got two English strikers there with Watkins and Ings who know where the back of the net is. Yeah, you do. And I think Southampton's quite a dangerous opponent for Villa, actually, mm. especially the way they've, they've come out of that performance against Everton. Because uh, the thing is, it, it's, it's easy to think that results now have been a very long time ago, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just because it's so much football at the, at the well, moment. Well, an international break, I think, was off the back of that, that win against uh, Liverpool. Yeah, it does feel a very long time ago yeah. now. And uh, I think if you go back with with Villa they're a little bit unlucky against Leeds there are a few things that that could have gone for them but the way it went after they conceded the first goal that is something that Dean Smith is going to say right we've really got to put that behind us and we've really got to put that behind us with quite a strong performance I think it's not just the results that have been good with Villa mm-hmm. so far it has been the performance which is surprising it, does look, it is surprising considering it, it how like they were last season and how they finished and they haven't. They've signed Watkins, admittedly, yeah. and one or two others. But this, Barkley, yeah, true. But it, it's not been a huge turnover. Turnover. No, and I, I think that's kind of worked for them yeah. to a certain extent. And the fact that Smith has obviously put faith in those players and mm. said, "You're the players who kept me up." When at, at one point, it's easy to forget, it looked absolutely mm. hopeless. Mm. They looked totally gone, didn't they? Yeah. And. I, I do have a slight issue, though, with people saying, oh, well, you could tell Villa were going to do well this season because of the way they finished last season. Just because a team surges at the end of the season when they're, you know, staring down the barrel, I, I don't think he's necessarily a, a good indicator of anything. It's an indicator of needs must when the devil drives, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, you th- couldn't have predicted Leicester would go on to win the league after their surge. Uh, no, and I'm not going to predict Aston Villa are going to go on and win the <laughs> league here. But I think... They need to show that the game against Leeds is a blip that they can get over. I think that's very important. And like I say, the content of the, the performances has, has been really good. It's not just the results. And I think Villa have been really impressive in their style. You know, you can I think you can have a couple of surprising results at the start of the season. And you can have especially a couple of freak results and league positions in the particular context that we're living in at the moment. But the performances were no fluke, and they need to prove that that wasn't just a little purple patch. But that is what they are now. Mm. I mean, they're not the first. They're not. They're not going to be the last team to get turned over in a relentless fashion by Leeds this season. No, I mean, if you look at the pattern of the goals that Bamford scored, he scores one. What ten minutes after half time? There's another little, not a very long break, and he gets another one, and then he adds another one, and before you know it, Leeds play in that kind of thunder and lightning style. You can't have a moment's rest, and that's. I think Leeds are a really good team. Yeah. I think. I think they are, but I. I think 
it's not like Villa were dismal in that or anything like that. You, you're right. They just no. get the they just got the game taken away from them really yeah. in about 15 minutes, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Southampton are an interesting proposition because they look really organised and they look like they've got a really good coach. And I know that Andy was talking a bit yesterday um, about how, you know, perhaps at, I think you were talking particularly at a European level in the context of, of Solskjaer that perhaps the coach isn't as important at the very, very top level. I think at this kind of level, mm. the middling Premier League level is actually really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that um, Hartson Hutul has a grip of that team and a grip of that club and, and he... he you never, even if they, even if they lose or or they have a, a, a poor result against, like they did against Spurs back in back in September, don't ever really get the impression that he's he's um he's kind of not in full control mm. of what's happening and that mm. they don't know who the manager is and that they've lost their style, they've lost their kind of their, their motivation or whatever. And I think it might be a legacy from the from the Leicester win back in the day, which obviously we always have to talk about. <laughs> it's a year ago now, but 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 the, but the reason I say that is because it felt it felt a bit like a, a kind of year zero for for Hartnell at Southampton, mm-hmm. and he could have gone and it could have gone completely south, but it didn't. And ever since then, I think he he's 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 been able to to steady them and to show that they're a team in his own image, and he knows exactly what he wants them to do. And if they go for a period of time and have a couple of poor results they're not going to panic and it's not going to be anything more than just, it's a difficult league, it's a competitive league and this happens. So this game, it's actually quite an interesting one because mm. it will give us the measure of Villa because they started really well and they were yep. beaten. And it'll also tell us where, a bit about where Southampton are at off the back of a really good win against an informed side in Everton. So in many ways, you look at it once and you think, oh, I can't fancy that. But when you think about it a bit, mm-hmm. you think, actually, it'll be a really good game. Who would you like to win? Um, I would like Aston Villa to win well. Yeah, yeah, yeah very well. <laughs> <laughs> to win well. Yeah, there we are. All right, ladies and gentlemen. After the break, we're going to talk about Manchester United and Arsenal. Hello, I am Sven Goran Eriksson, and you are listening to the Football Ramble. There he is again. Welcome back, everybody, to the Football Ramble Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. Apparently, it was twenty years ago tomorrow, not today. Oh, okay. That Sven taught the boys. Depends to play. when you're listening. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, something there for everyone. If you listen to this on a Saturday morning. It's twenty years ago today. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask Andy how OTC was yesterday. I, was, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, so maybe you can sell it into me as well as the listeners. On, yes, it was excellent, if I do say so myself. Um, with the excellent Dot and Adebayo and uh, David Cartledge, um, we talked about. Uh, lots of Champions League stuff, Juventus Barcelona, where they are at the moment, and a bit about the two young princes of the Champions League. Oh, and also about the Bernardo Silva, Jorge Jesus spat. Nice. Oh, that's definitely worth a while. Have so, a word with your dad. Come on. So people just need to search Football Ramble Presents wherever they get their pods and subscribe to make sure they never miss an episode of not just on the continent, the dedicated European football show, but book club, Ramble Meets, at the match, our most recent at the match is Andy taking me to Peckham Town, etc., etc. There's a book club episode on Monday, which is an absolute, and I have heard this one, so I can say this for a fact, <laughs> it's an absolutely brilliant insight um, into the not only the uh, player, Matt Piper, but the ghostwriter, Joe Bruins, story of Matt Piper's career, which is one with some very, very interesting uh, aspects. So definitely check that out on Monday. It's uh, the book club with Kate Mason, Joe Bruin, and Matt Piper, ex-Leicester City. Lovely old job. And right, everybody, it's time for some emails. Just email show at footballramble.com Right now, so Peter, Mr. Kater, Jules, or Jim, or Andy, Luke, all my kids can read it out. Well done. 
what a lot of people don't know about that jingle mm. is that everyone knows it's Pete singing along, but they don't know that it's Jules doing the female vocal. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting it out there. They don't know that. How the dare Pat, you? The Pat Benatar of the Ramble. I think you, it sounds like Jules a bit. How dare you take that young lady's work away from her? I'm not talking about Jules. I'm talking about the actual <laughs> yeah. singer. Yeah. Jules will claim it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Jules, it would have had a swear word, didn't it? Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. Oh, and, you, and it can't be Pete on pure form because it's not a dog in the background eating a carrot very true yeah all right shout footballramble.com you can also tweet us at footballramble there's an email here from steve neat i think that's pronounced great name lovely name it's either steve neat but i'm gonna go for steve nah, neat 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 yeah neat neat Neato. Uh, Steve says, bringing it back to the youth football tactics, but jumping to the opposite end of the spectrum from Guardiola, the under-12s team I coached played uh, a team once whose strategy was to have their biggest player hang about their own 18-yard line and lump it long whenever the ball came near him. I think we can all uh, relate to that. I think I might have actually... I think I might have actually performed that role. His name was Luke. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was in the USA. Oh, it wasn't me then. So naturally, the parents of our opponents uttered oohs and ahs whenever this happened as the ball went really far. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's Warnock-esque. Yeah. Uh, being a football fan in the US is like being a pilgrim in an unholy land. And my yeah. assistant coach and I, as football purists, found this strategy very irksome, particularly as it worked annoyingly well for most of the matches. The thing is, it does work often at that age. Yeah, of course. But, but then it's a very much a cliff edge to it. Yeah. And I, I think some, some would wonder why the English football internationally has been in the doldrums for so long until yeah. recent years. And then you think back to your own experiences and go, yes. well, I was put up front for a bit because I was the tallest. <laughs> and then I was put at the back of the bit because I was the tallest. Yeah. And then I was put in goal for a bit because mm, I was the tallest. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, um, uh, Steve goes on to say, imagine our delight when our most skillful player went on an amazing run, which included leaving the clearance merchant on his backside Get before rounding there. the keeper and dribbling the ball into the goal. My assistant coach responded by yelling at the top of his voice, there's no big kick for that <laughs> thanks very much Steve yeah. I have to say I really enjoyed the resentment in the writing of this clearance merchant yeah <laughs> I love it I love the football purist Steve Neat likes it neat and tidy I love it, it if his assistant coach was called Dave Tidy oh yeah it'd be neat and tidy that would be very good it'd be fantastic I, wouldn't I, it I think it might be called Jim Passing Triangles <clears throat> yeah <laughs> less likely just Jim Triangles would have been fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never known He's Andy look, look like a, a, a cat who's been given a, a saucer without milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like that, is it? Um, right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's talk about most of in Arsenal, of course, uh, a Sunday afternoon treat. Arsenal uh, have warmed up very well for this game with a 3-0 win in the Europa League against Dundalk. Uh, lovely goal from uh, Nicolas Pepe. Um, before we talk about the football, uh, well, this is talking about the football. Before we talk about Arsenal, I, I have to bring this to the table straight away. Dundalk became the first team to um, not commit a foul in a Europa League match. Now, piss poor. A few <laughs> Absolutely people, piss poor. People, a few people tweeted me about this and I thought, what on earth are they playing at? And then I saw the, the coach, uh, Giovannoli, who said after the game, our team is so polite. They're such <laughs> gentlemen. They work hard and fight hard, but won't use other things to stop the opponent. And I thought, you've charmed me. Well, they did. You've, they... De- you've, you've disarmed me in my, in, in my anger about that. It's hard to interpret this stat because... And Andy's the brainy one here, so you might better help us out here. Mm. You first hear that, prima facie, you're like, okay, that's piss poor because you want to get right amongst it. Mm. You, it's the only chance you've got really to try and maybe intimidate a bit and kind of get on the front foot. And they actually, I watched this game and they actually played pretty well yeah. Yeah. for the first 35 to 40 minutes. And then you hear they don't make any fouls the whole game and you think that's piss poor. 
But they made three times the amount of tackles that Arsenal did, which you would expect because they didn't have as much of the ball. Mm. Um, but they're still making the tackles. Yeah, so maybe yeah, they're yeah. just really good at tackling. Oh, yeah, very precise. Yeah, maybe they are. I mean, it's an easier statistic to sell if you've won 3 0, isn't it? <laughs> Didn't Lucio once go for a whole World Cup without making a foul? Yeah, I that think rings a bell. Yeah. Are you sure? I think he did, yeah. I think he went for a whole World Cup at centre back for Brazil without conceding. Without can, can we say foul. he went through a World Cup without being caught doing a foul? That's yeah, far he's more yeah, accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More accurate, yeah. Back in those days. Yeah, because yeah. it's even more um, impressive when you think that most of the time he's playing alongside Walter Samuel. Who's basically the the crown well, that was Inter, the not the Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Oh, yeah, his club. Yeah, yeah. And so for him to be able to flip from that to the good guy again, mm. it's amazing. But, but anyway, that, that you, was you, a few... don't, you don't need to do any fouls when you have got Walter Samuel next, do you? Do you? True. That exactly. might have been a few years after, but I take the point. Yeah, Mourinho's Inter with Samuel beside you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, um, a, it's a very different style. But I thought, look, I don't, I don't want to. It's it's difficult for us to talk about. It happens quite a lot when we talk about games like this. It, it almost all, all, automatically comes across as patronising, and I don't mean it in a patronising way. Mm at all I thought given the, the, the scale of the challenge that Dundalk had been given and given how well they've done to get to this stage I thought they gave a, a really decent account of themselves particularly mm. in the first half and um, it wasn't a great surprise to see Arsenal come out winners I will concede that I only decided to watch it because I was hoping there would be some kind of comedy upset because for some reason when that happens to Arsenal possibly because I'm friends with Jim it, mm. it's funnier mm. um, <laughs> sadly we weren't we weren't gifted that but I also liked the fact that Arsenal had Elneny in midfield and Sh- and um, Sh- I almost called Shamrock then and Dundalk had McElhenney in midfield that's nice yeah yeah it, was, it felt like a, a kind of Irish version of, of the same player what did you think of Arsenal's back line they had three centre-backs injured two not registered for the Europa League so Mustafi Xhaka and Kolasinac were, were in the back three. I mean, wow. That's, that's something, isn't you it? You say wow, I'd say oof. Yeah. With, with, <laughs> yes. with, with a, a, I know Xhaka isn't this kind of player, and I don't want to, I'm saying that as a, as a caveat because otherwise Andy will literally tell me off on this show. But with a defensive midfield player of some of some level, mm. it's a, it's a, it's not that difficult to drop back in there in a three. Uh, yeah, I know, but he's not that much. This def- but he's not, he's not one. He's, and Xhaka isn't an example of that really though, is he? And he's not being guided by a centre-back next to him, either, <laughs> uh, which which is a, a big thing. But I, I thought for Dundalk, what must have been the most disappointing thing is, as you say, they did play pretty well. And then not only did they concede, what, three goals in seven minutes? He, he was out of half-time, something like that. Yeah. Um, the, the first two goals that they conceded, oh my goodness. It's just, you can't be giving away goals like that. Oh, the goalkeeper. Yeah, that was bad. Piss poor Andy. Yeah, slugs, little slugs, <laughs> um, little gentlemanly slugs. Yeah, uh, but so you, know, you want to see it, because Marcus, you famously um, mm-hmm. piped up about Burn teams not, not getting yellows or whatever. Burn so, Albion when they got hammered by Man City. Would you like Dundalk to get more amongst it? No, because the stats suggest that, like I say, with with um, Big Geo with his quote there saying they're gentlemen and they won't use those those kind of mm. uh, reach for those tools perhaps, mm. and uh, and and with the statistics on the tackling. No, I think I think they they've shown a bit of Irish charm and it's gone straight to my heart. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, maybe it's almost beneficial from Arsenal that mm-hmm. in in a way because they've been forced to defend without defenders, albeit against like, not elite opposition. Mm-hmm. That's maybe a, a little bit of a next step in the Arteta plan because, and I'm thinking particularly about his his work with Guardiola, if you can defend by sort of keeping the ball, particularly mm-hmm. in a game like this, I mean, that's something completely different, isn't it? Because if you look at the way Arsenal have played under Arteta generally, clearly there's a philosophy, but it's been quite possession light, mm-hmm. recognising the limitations of where they are at the moment. If they can evolve to a slightly different way of defending and a slightly different way of playing. I mean, this is really what the Europa League should be. And 
certainly for a team teams like Arsenal and Tottenham, there should be a level of experimentation that you don't really have that much room to do. Yeah, in competitive and, and, and they're matches. playing a much you know weaker side. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I, th- I think you looked at that group when it came out of the hat for Arsenal. You thought it's easier than last year's one. And as we said, and as I've said a few times on here, the point where I realised Arsenal were in massive trouble last season is when they didn't that they weren't going to win six out of six in their group mm. because really they are the sort of club with the sort of squad who should be absolutely breezing through the Europa League group because the Europa League groups, people talk about the Champions League groups and the, the difference between the haves and the have-nots is far more pronounced in the Europa League and for, as you, you, you were saying with Spurs before, Marcus, for, for teams like Spurs and Arsenal, it should be easy. Mm. But if you have to you know, take a hit here and there, by trying stuff out, I think that's fine. Yeah. Will they try anything out at Old Trafford on uh, on, on Sunday afternoon, Luke? Um, well, I hope they do. Yeah. Well, you've got to try something. <laughs> you need to get in there with at least some idea of what you want to do. At least a few crosses into the box. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think, I think it, in some ways, this is a little bit upsetting because it feels like a facsimile of one of the greatest fixtures in Premier League history. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Sunday afternoon, 4.30... I remember the day, you know, I'm not trying to be all Uncle Albert about it, but during the war, back in the day, this was like the one you look forward to all weekend. I know and- what you mean, especially after doing that Arsene uh, Wenger ramble meets recently. And we were talking about the, the great Arsenal United rivalry. Yeah. Mm. And I thought, oh, I really miss that. I really miss well, that. Well, let's get it back this Sunday, Andy. Yeah. I, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should just walk straight up to Mikel Arteta mm-hmm. and just plant one right on him. And get the pizzas out, all sorts. All that business. Well, if you told him it was in the name of nostalgia, he would, because as we know, Ole loves a bit of that. He does. <laughs> yes, well, he, what he did in the 90s. Well, he does, Andy, and perhaps he should take a leaf out of a former Manchester United manager's book, Louis Van Gaal. Ryan Giggs said recently, <laughs> the first time I met him, he punched me in the stomach. <laughs> What's the context? <laughs> oh, dear. This is Giggs's words. I've gone to meet you. You know it's a footballer because they're talking in that sort of past, present yeah. tense kind of yeah. I've gone to meet him at a hotel. He's opened the door, looked me up and down and gone, you're in good shape, and then punched me in the stomach. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, Luca Tony... Giggs here, I'm slag. I'm one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Luca Tony's probably listening to that story and thinking, you got off lightly there, mate. Yeah. One of these, Luca Tony got his nuts out. Yeah, that yeah. was the balls. It was, he got his yeah, balls yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Gig said he was he was different. He was very dominating. That's a, that's a great Twitter poll, Marcus. It's marvelous, isn't it? Um, would you rather mm. be punched in the stomach by a sixty year old man mm-hmm. or have to look at his nuts? <laughs> I mean, yeah. The the oh. way I understood it, he, he he wasn't exposing himself particularly to Luca Tony. It's just that Luca Tony happened to be near. It him. was the whole squad, the whole team. You say Tony was got... closest. Yeah, yeah. collateral damage this can happen. <laughs> Can happen, can it? Can happen. It can. I think I would. I would. I think you've got to have a look at Van Hal's testes, haven't you? I wouldn't want to get. He's got old man strength. I think. Do you think would, he has? I think he would he's hurt. not got Nigel Pearson old man strength. No, not. But Pearson's like the. Yeah. You know, and Pearson's a bit younger than. Yeah, him as I'd well. probably. I'd probably. I'd probably go for the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would. Because I, I, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Mm. Get injured. Go you on, know. What, why you, one of these? Why are you punching your own player? I mean, I can't even remember if Ron Giggs was still it's, playing. It's amazing to think that they went on to work so closely afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, Giggs did, Giggs did say he was very sad to leave Manchester United, but he was also very relieved because it was very hard under Van Hal. Yeah, uh, pun intended. But, but that, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be, um, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be kind of down it because it's important to to, to enjoy it. The football we can enjoy at the moment because uh, of the situation we're in. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love it to have a big crowd there. I know it may not have got a plan now to bring a limited amount of play- yeah, uh, fans in once I get the given the go ahead. But I mean, 
well, the way the country's going at the moment, or the, or the continent, or the world, you yeah, can who knows? It. It's, it, it's but a, you know what I mean? The, the I pumping atmosphere at Old Trafford yeah. for a main night last game, yeah. vintage era, is just a, it was the pinnacle, really, yeah. wasn't it? For me, that's the defining <clears throat> yeah. rivalry of the Premier League, you'd say. Yes. But I would, though, if, if I would like Van Hal still to be in charge of Manchester United, because I prefer watching the games without the crowd noise. <laughs> so and I'd like hear to hear him, yeah. him barking away. Yeah. But what, 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 what do you fancy for this one, Andy? Because, I mean, Manchester United... Um, you know they've, they've won well in the, in the Champions League this season, and we were saying how it's they've got uh, an amazing record midweek, mate. Like. Yeah, that record, they've yeah. lost a game midweek for like eighteen games or something. No, and this is on a Sunday, which is why I fear for them. Yeah, depends <laughs> how you I, judge it. I think this is absolutely. We push it to one minute for... past midnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like in Spain; it's it's up to the home team, isn't it? In Spain, to set the kickoff time. Yeah, true. Uh, you, you you could do that. So, but the, you have to tell them the, in advance. The, the day is one it. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, you're six hours early, fellas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, do you fancy um, a Man United winner? Um, maybe. I. <laughs> you're sitting on the fence again. Yeah. You yesterday this... you were an absolute dis- despicable. <laughs> yesterday, despicable. Maybe. Yeah. The only thing you'd be sure about yesterday was it was a dog eating a carrot. <laughs> That was quite easy. Yeah, it was in, easy. In, yeah, in, in yeah. he needs to refine that feature. I think this is absolutely huge for both teams, and I think it's particularly huge for Arsenal because we were talking about the game at Liverpool earlier in the mm-hmm. season, where I thought the performance was more important than the result. You know, if you lose at Liverpool, fine. You know, they're the best. It's it's, mm. it's absolutely fine. But all the time with Arteta, we're talking about we're looking at inter- incremental gains, aren't aren't we? Mm-hmm. I think they need to get a result from this because United have been vulnerable at home this season. And forget the Leipzig game because a the result, as we said yesterday, was slightly flattering, and they took advantage of a team being exactly where they wanted them. I just wonder if there are parallels to draw between the game with Leipzig and this game with Arsenal because as we talked with Ar- talked about with Arsenal being quite possession light and being very very good in transitions I do wonder if United score the first goal in this is it very difficult for Arsenal to come back mm, and yeah. I, I, I think perhaps yeah. it is so to not sit on the fence if United get the first goal in this they win it I think I think I think, I think the context is Andy that, as I said earlier in the week no one's stamping their authority on this Premier League yet the stage is set. Every single team, really, mm. based on what we've seen this season, maybe this is a little bit unfair to Liverpool, but I hope Liverpool fans, who've got a very charitable nature usually, will will ha- let me have this. Well, have been beaten 7-2 this season. Yeah, they've got flaws as well. Every single team has. But, but There's I think, no standout. So, don't so, you think that makes it more difficult for Arsenal? Because, for example, like at the end of this season, if Manchester United don't get top three or four, it's it's... It's, it's just a failure. Mm. Whereas with Arsenal, it's far more difficult to call. If if they were to have an improved season in terms of the way they play, in terms of their philosophy, good cup runs, decent run in Europe, and that, they, they finish fifth. I think at the start of season, people would have said that's acceptable. But now, as you say, because the Premier League's so unpredictable, that carrot of the top four is being dangled. Are they really ready for the top four? Probably not. But if you know they've got that opportunity and they fail to take it, does that change the way you look at their season when it's at the end? And I think it probably does. But, uh, yeah. but the way I'd look at it is just it, the opportunity is there. Go and get it. Go and grab it. I'll yes, t- you've got flaws, but so has everyone. Mm. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Manchester United are going to win 2-1. They're then going to go away to Istanbul, Bazak here. They'll have a battling win there. They will then lose to Everton when everyone's going, oh, man, United, mm. and then they'll have a, some sort of a sloppy result the following week uh, on the 21st of November against West Brom at home. 
<laughs> could happen. Go. That I it think is, is is Morgan Almalfitano is no longer in Europe, so I would say that's not possible. There we go. Oh, I see. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Do you not remember Morgan Almalfitano? Oh, I the do. For West Brom. At Old Trafford for West Brom. That's oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. I was trying to place yeah. him in my mind. Too many footballers in there. Yeah. Um, it's now time for Betways Four to score. Entry to Betways Four to score is of course free. Each week, you just pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Please make sure your selections are submitted before the first game for obvious reasons and further T's and C's apply. Okay, game number one. And before I get into game number one, Marcus, mm. I should say that I'm actually in quite good form. You are. Two or three of the last four or five picks, I think. Yeah. But we haven't managed to win the jackpot it's yet. It's a though. team game, so It is a team game, very much so. <laughs> it's not about personal glories. Hopefully, we can... Turn around that £50,000 jackpot oh, yeah. for charity oh, yeah. starting this week. Game number one, Aston Villa v Southampton, Sunday at midday. Who have you gone for, Marcus? I've gone for Danny Ings. I went for him last time. He got a couple of assists, but not a goal. I think he was just warming up for this one. Although you put me on midday. You put me up first. Yeah. I know what you mean. There's a lot of pressure on you there. So I've gone for what I think is the obvious choice. Danny Ings. Here's mm. hoping some of the defenders are still having breakfast. <laughs> Game number two, Newcastle United v Everton, um, Sunday at two o'clock is my pick. Um, I've gone for Callum Wilson. Mm. I'm interested to see how Everton respond to that defeat against Southampton. But I think Newcastle could catch him a bit cold. Um, and so I'm going to go Callum Wilson, who I think is a decent Premier League goal scorer. Um, game number three is the big one. It's Sunday, 4.30. We've already talked about it this afternoon. It's uh, Manchester United v Arsenal. Um, and our resident Man United fan is Vish, and he's gone for the following. Hello, Ramblers. Uh, Vish here with my four to score for the biggest game of the weekend uh, between Manchester United and Arsenal. Two teams who are definitely not relying on former glories to make this relevant. But I was thinking of going with Aubameyang here because he's on some kind of mad record non-scoring streak. Um, but I'm going to go with Bruno Fernandes instead because just Man United are well good now. So Bruno Fernandes, first goal scorer. He sounds like he's doing something else at the same time. Of, he's very relaxed. Like he's reading a book or something. <laughs> um, so that's vicious. Bruno Fernandes uh, is the third pick. Game number four is Spurs v Brighton, a.k.a. Kate Mason v Jules Breach. Sunday, 7.15pm. Andy, who's your pick? Someone who won't be relaxed from the start, I think, is Hummin Son. And so I'm going to go for him to hit Brighton early on in yeah. this game. Mm. I think I think you really had a pick between two, didn't you? Kane or Son, and you've, you've taken one of them. We'll see what happens. Um, Danny Ings, Callum Wilson, Bruno Fernandes, Hung Min Son are our four picks for the first goal scorer in Betway's fourth to score. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game. Further T's and C's apply. You must be over the age of 18 to gamble and do gamble responsibly. For more information on that, head to begambleaware.org. All right, now it's time for this. It's one of those games that's quite difficult to explain, but you'll get it as soon as you start hearing it. <clears throat> it isn't time, uh, indeed, sorry, time for Luke's game. Get your fire in that, in that belly, Andy. Marcus, get your head in the freezer. It's also time it's for me to, to go. go, Charlie, can I have a pen? <laughs> oh, really? You haven't got a pen? Well, listen, we're going to press on. If he yeah. brings you in a pen, he brings you in a pen. If not, you fail to prepare, perhaps you prepare to fail. Mm. Uh, we're not, we've not been graced by the presence of lineal champion Jim Campbell Jim this week. Campbell. He, he will live to fight another day um, and, and defend his title on another occasion. But we have got two of the most decorated, most experienced and most loved um, 
players. Is Andy today. that loved? If Marcus, okay, Marcus the people champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't nail it down pretty Absolutely. early on. <laughs> on, on, the week, on the weekend of Manchester United versus Arsenal, yeah. how fitting <laughs> yeah, to have exactly. a clash that we've seen a million times yeah. before <laughs> relying on former glories. Marcus has developed, if you, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Marcus, he developed the role of, uh, and, and incorporated the role of people's champion mm-hmm. by just turning up every Friday and getting battered every week <laughs> by Brussels, yeah. to which everyone liked him. I just, you know, people like the, the my Tiger Tim Henman attitude. They do. Go on, Tim. But unlike Tim, I actually he did overcome Andy once. He did. And yeah. it was a great, great... It was like when Frank Bruno finally won the heavyweight title. Um, <laughs> there's, and, and there's a lot of clenched fist on that side of the table. It, the, it is very Henman. The fans yeah. are assembled outside of Marcus Mound. They socially were, distanced, yeah. of course. Of course. Um, so let's get into it. Okay. Because... <laughs> Because the algorithm dictates that Andy Brassel is the number one seed, mm. Marcus gets to go first. This didn't work in his favour a few weeks ago no. when he got visibly annoyed when Ali McCoist came out after he'd already been beaten. Mm. Uh, but what can you do? What yeah. can you do? Um, the first player... Can we have Coisty again? Uh, no, we can't, I'm afraid. <laughs> the first player, he's played for six clubs in total. Um, and he retired in 2000. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, it's Andy Townsend. Andy Townsend. Not, six clubs. Not for me, Clive. Yes, not for he did. me. Played for six clubs. Oh, I'm just staring into the eyeballs. Yeah. of Andy Brassel. So if you're playing along at home, um, just get your pen and paper out. See how many uh, Andy Townsend clubs you can name. Started his career in 1985. Yes. Um, I'm giving facts out for the listeners. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to distract you. I want you to prep, and then yeah. I want you to give me a give me a sure. number. Um, I will give you. I've got two. Two. Andy, can I see three, three from you? Yeah. Can you do four, Marcus? Uh, I'm going to have to go four. Okay. You want five, Andy? No. No, five for Marcus. Okay, so one at a time. No, please. four. Four for Marcus. Sorry, four, f- I do apologise. Four for Marcus because Andy doesn't want to do five. Yeah. Four of the six oh, clubs. I want to do five. I'm just not capable of okay. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, of, four of the six clubs that Andy Townsend played for in his 15-year career. Of course, one thing I should say is mm-hmm. he didn't actually start playing professional football until quite late on. Um, but anyway, please carry on. Okay. Chelsea. That's correct. That's one. Aston Villa. That's also correct. That's two. And now I'm struggling. <laughs> God, not many players. I mean, Jim Campbell, current lineal champion, would not be as aggressive to go for two guesses. Yeah. Um, Norwich City? That is correct as well. Very oh, good. Very good. Right. One more. <clears throat> this is where it gets tough. Yeah. This will test you. How tough? <laughs> <laughs> There's no hard or easy ones, mate. Just the ones you know and the ones you don't. Um, he's got the fire in his belly listeners I think we can all establish that but has he got his head in the freezer yeah I am going to go for I don't know why this one is sticking out to me Coventry City it's incorrect Mm. that's a point to Andy Um, he's never played for Coventry City he started his professional career, and that is key because he had a semi-professional career. Before yeah. that, at Southampton. Oh. Went to Norwich City, as you correctly identified. <clears throat> Chelsea, Aston Villa. Then he moved from Aston Villa to Middlesbrough and ended his career at West Brom. My goodness. For what he's worth, he's worth Marcus, I think he would have looked excellent in that Hummel commentary yeah. strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, they've started playing in that again, haven't they? That's so pat- maybe you could get from Andy, that, isn't it? <clears throat> it's 1-0 to Andy. You're up first this time, big man. Okay. Here we go. He's played for six clubs as well. Mm. Six clubs as well. <clears throat> Just a coincidence. No, that's, no, how, no, that's how no. it goes. Um, he retired in 2009. He is Dwight York. Ooh, Yorkie. Dwight York. Okay. Yeah, so I need for you to tell me how many of the six clubs he's played for that you can name. A 19-year professional career, Dwight yeah. York. Good how, for him. How many did we say? So there's been six in total. 
Uh, Marcus is counting them up on his fingers. I think Marcus, look, for what it's worth, I think Marcus will go. It's not for me to, to get involved, but I think Marcus could be strong on this. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go four. Four? Do I see five from you? You knob, Andy. That's a right in the sweet spot, that, isn't I it? I know, four? it is. Yeah. It really is. How yeah. confident are you with the four? I'm being reasonably cavalier. Are you? Yeah. No, he's not. I'm not going to listen to that. A lot of old bollocks, that. Oh, that's a packet of bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) That's really annoying because I would be fairly confident with four and the fifth one I'm just not confident at all. Um, It's up to you. You've got to think of your tactics. Yeah. uh, I'll ask Andy to do his four. Okay, Andy. I'm not confident. Okay, fair enough. Different tactic. Yeah. Got to try it. I had a go with Townsend. Didn't work. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. Um, So four clubs, please, that Dwight York's played for Andy one at a time. Blackburn. That's correct. Manchester United. That's obviously correct. Aston Villa. That's correct as well. Sydney FC. That's also correct. Sydney FC. I knew it was an Australian one, but I couldn't guess. Sunderland he also played for, didn't he? Um, he did. So he played for Aston yeah. Villa, then went to Manchester United. If someone if someone played for Manchester United in a certain era, it's a pretty safe bet <laughs> they played for Sunderland <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, Blackburn Rovers, then Birmingham City, Sydney FC. Birmingham and then Birmingham City. Uh. Came back and had a bit of an Indian summer back at Sunderland because he checked out and went to Australia and he came back for three years at Sunderland. Yeah, that's right. So 2-0 to uh, Andy Brassel with three to play. Fair play with Sydney FC. Though. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Um, you're up again, Marcus, Here first. He's also, I mean, again, this is just a coincidence, also played for six clubs. Mm-hmm. He retired in 2003. You're not going to thank me for this. Oh, no. But this is how it goes. Alan Boxic. Well, blimey. <laughs> he Boxic. satisfies the criteria. How many? He's, in, he's played for six in total. Yeah, not easy. Brassel's scribbling away, which I think is disrespectful at this stage. Well, I'm I'm doing that Paul Ince thing. I'm writing. Shoot, get the answers <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the piece I am, of paper. The thing is, Andy's Andy, you bastard. He's, uh, uh. It's not Marcus. What we t- I think what we need to understand here now is that we do have criticism about the technique. We have criticism mm-hmm. about the game itself and how unlucky you are. Andy's just a good player. Yes. It's how it goes. There's nothing you can do about it. Four. Really? Yeah. All right. That's have you, brilliant. Have you four? Go on. All right. That's brilliant. All right. I didn't expect... I, I, I don't mean to be rude. Yeah. I thought you were going to go one. Okay. So four is great. Okay, let's hear them one at a time. Alan Boxic. Middlesbrough. That's correct. Finished his career there. Marseille. That's also correct. Very good. Lazio. That is correct as well. Juventus. Well played. Oh, that yes. is it. You said Alan Boxic. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> that's, for me, that's the highlight of the season. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> that is very, very good. Did he also play for Sampdoria? So Hadjik split. Yeah. yeah. Can. Ah. Marseille, Lazio, Juventus, Lazio again, then Middlesbrough. If you'd said Sampdoria, you would have been going home. I would have been wrong. Yeah. Come been... on, back in it. Uh, two, I'll tell you what. You're back two... on course for the caravan. <laughs> I'd just like to share with the listeners. Can here. you just describe what's going on on Marcus yeah, Mountain? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the listener surrogate here. Can I just, just share a moment with the listeners? You're 2-0 down and you get Alan Boxich and you come back like that. It's, a, it's an absolute game changer. It's a 35-yarder into the top corner. It's Tom Kearney-esque. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, you're up. Could um, be short-lived. Though. Again, this player's played for six clubs. Started his career in 1992. Six clubs in total. He is Diddy Haman. Hmm, okay. Hey, you've got a chance here now, Marcus. You've put yourself in with a chance. This is a great game so far. 2-1 to Andy. Marcus brings it back to 2-1. Five. When he looked to be out, down and out. Hang about. Five. Five. Yeah, fine. You're going to have to go six. No, I can't. Okay, so Andy, you need to name do, five. Do you know what's happened here? 
and I, I, I understand he hasn't named the five. Yeah. But that this is classic. Andy's like, hang on a minute, I'm number one. All this kind of well done with your box itch. I'm now going to kick you into touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a boxing match. You've got a round back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. he's going to batter you. Yeah. It's yeah. like when when uh, Bruno got back in the ring with Tyson. Or something. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> this is what's about to happen to me. All right. How so, how glass is my jaw? So five of the six clubs that Diddy Haman played for in a career from 1993 to 2011. One at a time, please. Off you go. FC Bayern München. Correct. <laughs> Newcastle United. Correct. Mm. Liverpool. Also correct. Bottom Wanderers. Yeah. Manchester City. Well, you got it. Andy Brassel yeah. wins. Can't argue with that. <laughs> well played, mate. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, presumably you could name the sixth as well, can you? It's not springing to mind. The sixth club he played for is Milton Kings Dons. No, oh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't speak their name in the studio. Exactly. So that's, that, that's, why. that's that's why it. Yeah, I, didn't yeah. I, d- I didn't know the German club. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I had about three. Okay. Yeah. That's I, how it goes. I'd I'd like to say to all the fans on Marcus Mount, they've there, gone. They've just left. <laughs> I, I'd like to say that you know I know your candidate didn't win, but I'm your president now. <laughs> And I will be reaching out to you yeah, and addressing your needs. Perhaps you've got a message for Jim Campbell who's probably listening. Mm. No message. Oh. It's funny because now I, all I can hear from, from Marcus Mountain is not my president. Yeah. <laughs> they're shouting, Brussels, Boulder. Brussels, Boulder. Brussels, Boulder. They're very, very fickle, those fans oh. out there. The final player um, we'll do very, very quickly. We'll run through just quickly because we've got a Go couple on. of minutes. Um, it would have been Marcus going first. He's yeah. played for eight clubs in total and it's Ray Houghton. Ray Houghton. Yeah, no idea. Um, could have done a couple? I could do a couple. Ray Houghton. It's hard in 2000. Amazing. That's, got, that's, that's quite a one-year career. That's yeah, quite that's, quite, that's yeah, what the algorithm got, throws up sometimes. I've only got two, I think. Two? Could you do more than two? Yeah, I could do more than two. Just showing off. Yeah, I know. Go on, name as many as you can, Andy. Go on. Oxford. Oh, I see. Liverpool. Yeah. Villa. Oh, Villa, of course. I'm a bit stuck there, actually. Yeah, so you could have West Ham United, Fulham, Oxford United, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Reading, and Stevenage Borough. Mm. It's a win for him. Yeah, he played for Palace, Palace. for uh, a couple of seasons in the mid-90s. Um, you could have um, you could have had all those, but you didn't. doesn't matter. You won the game anyway. Yeah, well, another win for you, Brassel. Uh, and uh, Marcus, you're going to have to pick yourself up, dust yourself down, and live to fight another day. I've done it before. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for playing Luke's game. I bloody enjoyed it. Yeah, marvelous stuff. Well, there we are. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble preview show sponsored by Betway. Everybody, it's been lovely having you with us. Um, That's it. Have another fabulous Friday on the Football Ramble. Enjoy your weekends. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy Brass. Thank you. Thank you, good listeners. See you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.